Welcome to episode 44 of Beers, Business, and Balls, as always, presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Episode 44 today is Thursday, March 11th. It's March. That's very exciting. Um, Will and I are coming off a very dark time in Bryant history because... The Bryant Bulldogs go to their first NEC championship in program history, and they host it, and they get bounced. Sad, sad time for the Bulldogs. I had a t-shirt made. I had a t-shirt made, dogs to the dance. That would have been nice. It was It was great. It was... I feel bad. I feel bad not trying to be selfish as a fan or an alumni. I mean, they... It just was not their game, and it's unfortunate. What were they, 10-0 at home? Yeah, they were one of 10 teams to have gone undefeated uh, this year at home, which really is beyond disappointing that and they had to come to end here. They didn't even have the lead at any point of the game. No, they, they yeah. cut it to within one, which is nice. But after that, it was just all downhill. Yeah, Charles Pride put the team on his back. I mean, nearly dropping half of Brian's points. I think the whole team was, what, 0 for 12, 0 for 13 behind the arc, and he hit eight of them. It was just, uh, you know, they get to the big stage, and they just cannot pull through. But don't sleep on the dogs next year. If the team can stay together and Grasso stays and everything, I, it's just sad. It's sad. There's a lot of ifs. I think that this team, if you had a gun in my head, they'll stay intact. Um, Grasso's got unfinished business, in my opinion. So... We'll have to see. That's for another day. We've got a lot of college basketball next week coming up. Selection Sunday is on Sunday, the 14th. Who would have thought? That'll be very cool. We have a very special guest next week. This week, we have a really awesome guest. He's going to be with us for both business and balls, and that is Adam White, CEO of FOS, formerly Front Office Sports, now FOS, uh, the umbrella brand over all of the, um, I guess, other brands in the FOS portfolio. So... He was really cool uh, to talk to, very clear vision on where he wants to go. And, um, you know, this is one of the interesting stories. Kind of reminds me of what Morning Brew would be if it were sports-focused. And he had a really cool interview with us. Yeah, great interview. Great backstory, too. I mean, he is definitely full of full of knowledge, full of experience, uh, overall fun personality. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking to him. Just, I mean, he, he's, he's got a cool story. You know, it's the, it's the typical traditional you know had an idea in college busted his ass and look where it is today he did and uh, i'm very excited for you guys to get to hear adam's story and what he's building first as we always do let's talk some beer uh, i've really got to reach in to the the backlog on untapped for this week because we haven't been having a lot of beer no um, but but what do you got no yeah we got to pick up the beer game as a whole I've been slacking, slacking, slacking. And for one third of this podcast, we got to step that shit up. And we have a lot of beer to drink too. <laughs> we do a lot of beer to brew. It's not like we, yeah, it's not for lack of uh, for having it. Cause it's here. It's here. Just <laughs> trying new things too. But I stopped at long live. I felt like I owed them a visit because haven't had their beer in a while. Picked up a couple, four packs, a couple varieties. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that I drank because I thought it would be a good breakfast beer with waffles on a Sunday was Coco Nana. It's a double IPA brewed with pineapple and coconut. As Long Live always does, very smooth, very flavorful. Uh, you know, just it was just it was a filling light beer, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I also forgot that I'm not a big coconut or banana guy. So naturally, you're like, that one's the one I want. And that was the one where I was like... The two things that I don't like, I'll have that one. Oh, that'd be great with some, like, blueberry and, you know, blueberry chocolate chip pancakes. Put it in your cereal. Why not? It was... I mean, taking my personal flavor palette aside, it was a good beer. It was, you know, it, it, it hit all the notes that they were looking for. It hit the flavor content, or it hit the flavors that they wanted. It had the you know, the profile that they were looking for. It was a very good long live beer. It just wasn't a beer for me. Three, seven, five. Wow. Even that's with that, with that, um, description you just gave, I thought it'd be lower. I mean, long live is at the point where they are at whatever they brew is going to be a good beer. 
you know, whether it's if you like yeah, it or not, yeah. like on the beer standpoint, it is a good beer. Right. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll go with an IPA. It was very nice out these past couple of days. It's going to be very nice Thursday, Friday, too, allegedly. Like, you know, 60s, so New England nice. So around that time, we need to start talking IPAs again. And I will throw it way back. I had this at Thirsty Beaver Cranston um, way back in the summer. This is a nice spring beer to get you kicked off for the weather to come. M43 from Old Nation Brewing Company. Now, I haven't had a lot of Old Nation. I don't even know. I think they're in Michigan. Yeah, Williamston, Michigan. Now, they got on the map for some reason because of their IPAs. So when we went to Thirsty Beaver, I had to try M43. Um, Calypso, Amarillo, Citra, and Simcoe hops. So very, you're going to get a very tropical beer. You're going to get very fruity notes, pineapple, mango, grapefruit. Very good beer. This was a 4.25 for me. This was one of the best IPAs uh, I've had in a while, to be honest with you. And this was almost probably nine months ago. (laughs) Yeah. Still one of the best I've had. Um, They give a line in the description. The haze is not from yeast, but rather an interplay of lipids from the malted oat and oils and acids, which naturally occur in the hand-selected dry hops. So they dry hop the shit out of it. Basically, for all you novice beer drinkers, that's uh, early in the fermentation. They just throw some hops on there as, uh, as a way to flavor it and enhance some flavors and smells and aromas and tastes. They nailed it here. M43, um, and they sell it with, at Thirsty Beaver, they sell it right next to a tap that has B72 on it. So, and both of them, ironically enough, one letter, two numbers, some of the best IPAs uh, in the nation, in my opinion. Where's B72 from? B72, oh man, now I'm really... That's not Connecticut Valley Brewing, is it? No, it's not. B72 is, we've reviewed it on the show before as well. Um, 14th Star. Oh, 14th Star. Yep, in Vermont, St. Albans. That was another good one. I gave that a 425. We've reviewed that at least once on the show. Yeah. I had that a while ago. But we labeled that when I was at Thirsty Beaver, we labeled it a mystery IPA. Sold out in probably two days because everyone's like, I want that mystery IPA. And I was able to go back and sneak the cap off the keg to figure out what it was. Immediately rated at 425. Beef has good beers. Thirsty Beaver, Cranston, and Smithfield. A plus. A plus, please. Uh, you have anything else for beer? No, I mean, we have two beers under House Brewing Company currently um, in the works. I mean, we have a whole schedule for the next couple months and the whole year, but two are sitting right next to us as we record. Um, are we going to release what they are or just not yet? Uh, what? I mean, we've got a stout. We have a stout. Yeah, yeah we have it. A, Let's go. We have, we have a chocolate stout. And we have a Yerba it's Mate. Yerba, Yerba, Yerba Mate. Mate. Yeah, it's I had, tea. Yeah, Yerba Mate tea, but it's going to be kind of a style of a blue moon as well. It's an American wit with tea in it, Pretty essentially. Much. So if you like wheat beer and if you like tea, we were talking about beer and tea a couple of weeks ago. This was the big spoiler. That was it. That was it. But got that. we're not going to spoil the news with that nope. just yet. But they're brewing, the hops are fermenting. The whole process is... I just dry hopped her the other day. Yeah. She's looking good. So we, we're in good shape with that. So keep an eye out on our socials for more information. But that's beers. I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of homebrew competitions normally, you know, in the normal world. And they've all like all been canceled for the past year or so. Um, if you know a good homebrew competition that's active, send it our way, please. Because we want to enter it and get massively shown up. Or win. There's no in between. Or we're not making advice, a mediocre feedback. Yeah. anything. We're not. We don't have a mediocre beer. We either have a shitty beer or an awesome beer. Yeah, that's what I I know it, and I'm leading towards the awesome uh, category. But cool, that's beer. Uh, as we mentioned, Adam White from FOS is going to be with us for business and balls. Phenomenal way that he entered the market and created, uh, you know, one of the best and most active Twitter brands for sports. Um, and he tells us a lot about how he's competing with ESPN, Bleacher Report, the typical big players in the sports industry, and mixing in some business and betting for entertainment purposes only, of course, things like that. So uh, let's get right into it. Here's Adam White from FOS. 
All right, everybody with us this week, we have the founder and CEO of Front Office Sports, Adam White, University of Miami alumni. He is changing the game in sports journalism, content creation, a little bit of everything. So uh, Adam, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. I appreciate the uh, kind intro, changing the game. I have to live up to that now uh, in this conversation, but uh, no, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to, to chat. I mean, the work in the brand speaks for itself. Uh, you know, you caught our radar a few months ago. We started seeing a lot of uh, just the content that Fraud Office Sports has been producing. And it's always just been just above none compared to uh, other brands that are publishing stuff. And we'll get into that, into that in a little bit. But I guess first and foremost, give us a story of who you are and tell us who is Adam White. Who is Adam White? Oh, man. Um that uh, depends on the day, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Adam White. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. You're, I, I, you know, normally they start off with like warm up questions. I would have, I would have warmed myself up. Before <laughs> oh no, we don't, we don't screw around over here, man. No way. I know, right into it, right into it. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So who is Adam White? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it depends. Like I said, depends on the professional setting or the personal setting. But I think for the most part. I'm just someone who's really interested in, in media and the, and the inner workings of media and kind of just the, the ability to kind of figure out a way to, in a really busy landscape of media, walk through and find kind of a, a part that isn't isn't really being occupied. And that's what we've been doing with, with newsletters, right? And email and taking an approach to being in, you know, kind of a newsletter first publisher and, and everything like that. So I like to say I'm, I'm pretty pragmatic. I'm pretty practical. I'm someone, I, I'm not very good from a like really complex side of things. Like I understand complex topics, but I love to break it down into super simple things. And so I think that's why email and newsletter for us as a business was really appealing because it's, it's pretty simple, right? Like you're publishing and you're sending, right? That's pretty much it. You're sending right directly to people. You're not publishing on a site, then post, posting on social and then trying to drive people to that, right? So I think that's, that's the one thing that is that is interesting about the business and, and myself, you know, it, it's, it's weird. And I was actually talking to someone about this the other day is that I've been working on FOS and we've been working on FOS. Well, realistically, Russ and myself, Russ is my number two. Uh, we've been working on FOS almost every single day for the last five or six years. And oftentimes, you know, my Twitter handle is FOS Adam. And my whole life is really tied up into FOS. And so it's as wild as it kind of thinks. And I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's like, I don't know Adam outside of FOS oftentimes, right? Uh, and don't mean to get deep on you guys here, but that's, no. that is one thing that you <laughs> know, that I, I, I do think about is that, and everyone jokes like, oh, you need hobbies. And, but I just like really, really enjoy this stuff. I really enjoy media as, as, much, as, <laughs> as much as people would be like, you're crazy. I really enjoy like, how do we build a best in class product? How do we um, look at people who before us, you know, didn't come from media backgrounds and built media empires? Um, you know, so, so yeah, so I think that's the one thing that is, is definitely interesting about all of this is I've just been, I've been doing FOS so much and like, it's been ingrained basically every single day, like I said, for the last six plus years that it is kind of all that I think about and all that I really am for the most part. One day, I think I'll probably get a hobby and, and probably sooner rather than later. But, you know, as we continue to build, it's something that, you know, really means a lot to me, right? I, I take it very seriously. We have a, a bunch of audience, people that are, you know, meaningful professionals, athletes, investors, things like that. And you, and you know, that your, your name is, is staked to something that's published twice a day. And every single day is someone's first day. And so you just like start to think about all those things. It's hard to think about anything else, but yeah, that's a long roundabout way of kind of describing myself uh, and a little bit of the business. So for our listeners who don't know, now's your shot to give us the, the elevator pitch of front office sports. What is front office sports and why should people be using it? Yeah, well, so Front Office Sports is just one brand in the now new family of FOS. Uh, so actually announced yesterday as part of us winning Fast Companies, or being named as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies for 2021, uh, we pushed out what would be uh, kind of a parent company. So FOS, which is you know what a lot of people refer to as Front Office Sports, like Front Office Sports, people are like, oh, FOS, they made it FOS. So we were kind of thinking about like, how do we do this? And so FOS is essentially what it would be the new parent company and FOS as its whole. And what we're positioned it as is the first 
mass market newsletter, uh, daily sports newsletter network, right? So with the idea that we've taken what we're doing with front office sports, which is the business of sports brand inside of FOS, applying that to the association, which is now a daily NBA newsletter, sports section, which is a daily consumer sports newsletter, and then the rundown, which is going to be a daily betting and fantasy newsletter that we're going to launch at the end of this month. So across those four brands, we also have Front Office Sports College, which is kind of a sub-brand of Front Office Sports, a really important thing that we think, which is all the things that are going on and around the college sports space, we wanted to have a tentacle into. So the business of college sports, right? Not a consumer play. So Front Office Sports is really our, our business play. We have sports section, the association, and uh, like I mentioned, the rundown coming soon. Those are all consumer sports uh, kind of approaches, right? I mean, obviously they're built for a different audience. And I think that's one of the things that, it, it is built for, right? Our, our product and what we're trying to do is built for an audience of 25 to 65 year old working professionals across a variety of industries. And it's people who work in marketing, media, tech, or interested in sports, interested in business, like love the NBA, but don't have time to have notifications on for shams, et cetera. So we're really trying to meet our reader where they are five plus hours a day, right? So CNBC or a bunch of different studies, right? You look at it, but most of one of the most recent articles was a CNBC one. We were saying uh, consumers or people working professionals will just say, spend an average of five hours in their email every single day. So my thought process is like, okay, if someone's spending five hours somewhere, why are we trying to deliver content across other places where it's probably much more fleeting or it's not as engaged, right? And we obviously have social platforms and we have presences there, but our business is really, how do we take what is a noisy world of news and content and everything like that and we quiet it down, right? Like how do we quiet it down for people by sending them, you know, five, seven, 750 words on what's going on in sports and it's, it's meant to be consumed natively. It's meant to be um, digested natively like you're supposed to read it as a newsletter you don't have to click out obviously we link to stories and everything like that but it's not a, a quote-unquote newsletter that's sent with just links right so uh, that's the big thing for us is that our whole business and kind of like our whole calling card as a business is this idea of and I like to joke about it and I, I don't know if we've coined this phrase but I think we have a little bit you have software as a service for product businesses we like to say our kind of calling card, as I mentioned, is curation as a service, right? So what we're trying to do is build a CAS business, right? And it's again, kind of playing off this idea of SaaS, but we're essentially, we're trying to act as a utility, right? A utility for sports fans, a utility for business professionals, a utility for NBA fans, where they can come in and learn something about the NBA or have you know, something that if they're going out to a bar with friends, that they have some information that they can take them and say, hey, did you see this? We had, we just covered this in sports section yesterday. Uh, did you see this? The fact that Tom Brady actually has a niece named Maya Brady and she's a killer softball player. And like, he said that she's the goat of the family, not him and all this other stuff. Right. So it's really kind of providing them with that opportunity. And we like to call it like this social sharing complex and the social sharing idea where it's like what is it that is going to provoke or like make you want to share this with someone right so what is the information what is the voice what is the the delivery method etc so yeah again that was the that's the whole thesis is that fos in and it's basic form is like the idea that we can deliver sports news in email newsletter format basically taking what we have learned from front office sports and building that over the first five years, over the last five plus years, and then applying that into other verticals. And I think that's really important. And again, like it's free, there's no friction. It's entertaining. I think it's pretty good. It's informative, right? So instead of you as a consumer of a sports, of sports, just a general consumer or someone who just likes sports, instead of you having to go to a hundred different sites or you having to go to a variety of different, you know, Twitter accounts or Instagram handles, we just send you, you know, pertinent information directly to you and you can read it and it's free and there's no friction. And so that's the other big thing for us is we think there's just so much friction now in media. It's kind of crazy, right? Back in the day, you subscribed to a newspaper and every morning when you woke up, the newspaper was on your door. So it's just kind of like a little bit different now when you think about it. It's like, the idea is that we want to be the newspaper on your door, but it's obviously your door is now your inbox, not your actual door, right? So that's the whole thought process behind it. And I, 
again, no one really in, in our space is, is paying attention to it. Email is not a sexy business. Email is kind of like behind the scenes. It doesn't look good on investor decks and all these different things for like big companies, big media companies. And so we're just thinking to ourselves, well, like if no one's really occupying the space, can we do this? And then that's, and that's the thesis. So, you know, to get back to your original question of like, why should people subscribe? Why should people pay attention? It's because realistically, it's an, an in rhythm opportunity, essentially for you to get any type of sports information that you'd be looking for across the business of sports, NBA, if you're an NBA fan, general consumer sports, and then betting and fantasy. So that's, that would be the reason. And then obviously it's free. So the only thing you have to provide us with is your email. Outside of that, there's no monetary exchange. There's no paywall you have to hit. Like it just shows up in your inbox after you give us your email. So it's one friction point and then we take care of the rest. So you've definitely put in a lot, a lot of thought into this and it's an incredible concept. So let's take it back to day one. When did this idea come to mind to you? And furthermore, you started developing front office sport while at University of Miami. So explain the story of like the inception and the building process while at college. Yeah, well, the inception was never supposed to be this. I always joke with people, front office sports not FOS, was founded with the idea that uh, it would get me a job. It's never done that, actually. I never actually got a job because of office sports. It just became <laughs> a job. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I always joke with people and say it actually never has achieved its goal. So we'll see. I, I hope I can get a job after this if for some reason it doesn't work out. But, I mean, in a way, it kind yeah. of, it did get you a job. It was just you provided yourself the job, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And so, so yeah, realistically, when I first started it in 2014, the idea was that it was going to be an informational interview uh, platform. So basically doing something similar to this, but with people who work in and around the sports industry and then publishing it. Because in my freshman year at Miami, one of our, our classes, and, and this is probably very familiar for a lot of sports management people or sports management grads, that you have to do an informational interview and the messaging around a lot of the classes uh, from a sports management standpoint is, you know, it's not all about what, you know, it's about who, you know, et cetera, in this space. It always kind of has been, it's really an interconnected world. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll do that. I did it with, I believe Blake James, who is the athletic director of uh, at Miami still is the athletic director at Miami. And I thought to myself, I'm like, Hmm, like if I can do this with one person, like why don't I do this with more people? And so I, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And I went back to Phoenix. I was playing baseball over the summer. I tried to get a job. No one would hire me because I was only back for three months, blah, 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 blah. So it's 110 degrees. I don't have a pool at my old house. I didn't have a pool at my old house when I was in school. So I was like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do outside of the nine, you know, the 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. when it's kind of nice out? And when I was working out and then the 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. onward when I was playing games at night almost every day. And so I asked myself, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I was like, all right, let me just start up this thing. And I talked to my dad and we're like, oh, like, what can this be? And I said, I can I think I'm just going to interview people. And the original it's so funny. The original name and the original thing we thought about was uh, was executive report. And honestly, I'm so glad we didn't do executive report. It's just not the same. And so we were just thinking like, you know, it's business of sports. It's like front office sports. It's like, you know, what is it? You know, like, what can we do? And so we ended up landing on front office sports. The name took, uh, I started just interviewing people. I interviewed 110 people over the course of the next year. Uh, and just started publishing it. And realistically, what the beauty of it was is the fact that instead of me getting, you know, 15 minutes of pick your brain time, I would just email people and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I want to tell your story. And they would talk to me for 45 minutes to an hour, right? Because of course, everyone loves to talk about themselves, as I'm doing a lot of right now. And everyone uh, is interested in free PR, even if it's from some random kid you've never met before and is going to publish it on a Wix-based website that I always joke with people that <laughs> in 2014, my Wix-based website was a black background with white text. And I was like, so basically Apple stole dark mode from me. Because <laughs> I mean, like I was doing dark mode first. before dark mode was cool. So yeah, did Adam White dark invent dark mode? mode? That's the question. Uh, I like to tell myself that. I, I don't think I did. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in the history books, I, I don't think it'll be written like that. But yeah, so I did that and it was just so funny. And 
I went back to school and I met Russ. Uh, Russ is it's, it's amazing. To this day, it's, it's just such a wild coincidence. And then you had, a, I, we had to have a lot of things go right. So I started it. I posted in our Facebook group. The only ever person to respond to that post was Russ. Russ and I got like, I always joke with him. We got Caesar salads at the rat, which is a sports bar on campus at Miami, which was, I was working at at the time. So I used my discount, you know, poor college student stuff. And I basically told him, I said, this is what we're doing. I need someone to run social while I do interviews, et cetera. And so him and I started it, he was a year older than me. And, you know, we just started doing it from there. And then we ended up getting, having a class together at one point. And we were just literally sitting in the class, just working, like sat next to each other, took notes, but didn't actually like really take notes. Like we were just working on the, on the, the site. And so we kept doing it. He graduated, he went to a play, he went to this and started working at a company called uh, uh, Thusio and, and Julius, which is where he was at. And so I just stayed on it and we started to gain a little bit more notoriety and everything like that. And long story short, I graduated in 17. Uh, we had made a couple bucks. I thought I was going to get a job with a, a league uh, slash governing body. It didn't end up working out. And so I, I was, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say homeless. I definitely wasn't homeless, but like I had no money because I had planned to get this job. I was like, all right, cool. I'm getting this job. I had no place to stay because I was living on campus and my on-campus housing was up after August uh, when I graduated in, in May. And it was actually up after May. And then I, I can't remember what I did in the meantime. So essentially what had happened is I, I went and I was in the final round of interviews. I thought I was going to get this job. Never ended up working out. I was like, okay, fine. Uh, went back. Luckily, the girl who I was dating at the time she had an apartment and I was, I just crashed at the apartment for free. I got a job as a waiter and just kind of did the whole startup thing where I was working at, at the restaurant. My Miami actually, you know, hired me back as a TA, which was great, which kind of really helped me work on the business on the side. And, you know, again, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, et cetera. And so, yeah, it was, it was nuts. And, you know, I, I basically worked three or four full-time jobs and, uh, ended up in 2018, I uh, met the guy, I uh, met um, a guy by the name of Jason Stein over Twitter. And we had just tweeted something about him and all these different things, not about him, but about from his company. And so he was on a podcast, I quote tweeted the podcast said, blah, blah, blah. He followed me. I I had was already following him. I sent him a DM and I said, Hey, man, this is what we do. This is, you know, what we posted, it did really well. Like, let me know if we can, you know, do anything for you in the future. And, you know, he responded and we started talking. And again, like, this is just all crazy things, but I, early, uh, early in 2018, I want to say around like February or Valentine's day, maybe in April, I think it was April, whatever it was. I think the girlfriend who I was dating had just broken up with me. It didn't end up working out. I was too busy, all yada, yada. And so I tweeted something about like, it's amazing what can happen in a year. And he DM'd it to me and then he said, let me know how I can help. And I was like, okay, cool. So we got on a phone call. I said, this is how you can help. This is what I'm thinking. This is what we want to do, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, this is interesting. So I met him in New York in, uh, in mid 2018. And basically we had breakfast at his office. He was running the agency laundry service and cycle at that time. He had sold it to Wasserman about four years prior. So him and I were just chatting chatting through things, all these different things. And I say, like I said, look, like, this is what I really think we can do. And, you know, he kind of believed in it. And, you know, from mid 2018 to early 2019, we had conversations and he said, okay, like let's invest and let's see what we can do. And they invested in us. And uh, we hired our first full-time employee in 19. I moved from Jan I moved from Miami to, uh, to New York and we opened up an office and we went from one to 10 ish in 19. And then we went from, 10 to about uh, 10 to probably around 18 to 20 in 20. And now we're two hires away from 30 um, before by the end of this quarter. And the business has changed drastically. It's no longer an informational interview business. We're focused solely on newsletters. But as we found, as we figured things out over the course of the last few years, realistically, really only two years. So I like to tell people, yes, the business has been around since 2014 but we only got funded in 2019 and like we've basically been around since then. So about two full years, one of those full years being a pandemic and trying to navigate through all of that. So 
this is really hopefully and obviously as the pandemic subsides our second normal realistically normal year in business uh as a as a as a full-time company so plenty of work left to be done but that's uh that's kind of the genesis of everything so you just made an interesting point on on the pandemic and um you know there's been obviously sports was pretty much the most maybe besides hospitality the most prevalent industry that was hit by uh the pandemic so just your initial thoughts here has the pandemic helped or hindered your plan to get to where FOS wants to be in your eyes? You know, it probably helped it. Uh, I think for the most part, we thought we were one thing coming into the pandemic and really realized that actually we're, we're not that one thing. And, you know, that's where we actually, you know, really pivoted and our focus to newsletters in the second half of 2020. Uh, we said, look, like this is our whole focus. Like, this is what's working. This is what's growing. Like, I just need to go hundred percent all in on this. And so that's what we did. We went hundred percent all in on it. And I think it's, it started to work out well for us. I mean, there's so much work left to be done. It, we're, you know, we're just getting to the point where we have a full staff to be able to execute on all the things that we want to execute on. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helped us focus. It helped us realize like, Hey, there's, there's a really good opportunity here if we do it like this. And so yeah, it was, it was positive and it was, uh, it, it, you know, all things considered, like, you know, a pandemic is not good for anyone, any business, anything like that. But, and it, it obviously hurt us in different ways, but for the most part, we were able to come out of the pandemic with a better focus on what makes now FOS, FOS, and how we can kind of really drill that down and find a lane that no one else is taking and being able to do it and deliver it at a super high level. So without getting, giving away any of your secrets, uh, you <laughs> clearly have the following. You have the brand. You have the brains behind it. What's the future look like for front office sports and FOS as a whole? So the next year, the next couple of years, the next decade, however you want to uh, you know, paint the picture of what the future might look like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tale as old as time, right? Like, yeah, it's it's so funny. I, I think there's a quote from Jeff Bezos where he talks about, you know, look at the stuff that's not changing and do things that are, are based on the stuff that's not changing, right? Or that isn't going to change, right? Like, what are the key things that aren't going to change? And he's like, and there's a whole memo about it. And his thing is like, our audience is never going to not want speed and it's never going to not want good deals. And it's never like, and they've optimized their whole business around these things that are never going to change. And while I think we see communication changing, right? Like I can't see a world in the next decade, realistically, unless something magically happens where people don't email, send emails, talk to, talk through emails, work on emails, et cetera. Like, it's just, I, I can't imagine things are just going to be done through text or through Slack or things like that. Slack has definitely changed some things, but emails like where people spend most of their professional, if you're in a white collar job, most of your professional time and people still get their bills on emails. Like there's just so much caught up in email. And so like, instead of us, and I think this is the one thing that a lot of publishers did is they really pivoted hard to Facebook when it was throwing tons of money at publishers and inflating reach and like all of these different things or Instagram or like all like there's a lot of shiny things that can become a distraction and like that's why it's like it's just not really the focus of us so I think I think the big thing for us is really continuing to stay focused on what we believe isn't going to change and, and build from there and so yeah I mean I would love for us to be thought of as you know one of the top independent sports media companies in the world. Uh, I think there's a, a real opportunity to do that. I think there's a real big opportunity to continue to build a, a great community around the world. There's a really big opportunity to build great execution. And, and there's just so much space to play that, again, I just don't think anyone else is doing. And so, yeah, I mean, I would love for us to get millions of subscribers and have a, a robust following and basically work with any major or advertiser you can think of when it comes to sports and, and, and sports news, right? So if you think about all the advertisers you see everywhere else, like how do we get a, a, you know, a cut of that pie? And so, yeah, I mean, I think those are, those are the big things. We have some other things that I think could really work if some of these other things work out for us, right? So sports section works out for us where we go with a general broad sports newsletter. Can we get into other markets? Can we do some interesting things? How's the betting and fantasy thing going to, or newsletter going to work in the rundown? 
how are we going to grow FOS College with Amanda? What is that going to look like? So, I mean, we still have a lot of figuring out to do, but I, I think there's, again, there's no one doing what we're doing, to my knowledge. And I think if we can really own that, then we'll be put ourselves in a good place. So it really just comes down to being best in class in, in that one thing, right? Like, you know, I, we're never going to compete with Bleacher Report on social media. We're never going to compete with any of these people in some of these mediums. Like, I'm never going to compete with ESPN when it comes to live sports. But, like, I want them to have to compete with us when it comes to, like, newsletters and, like, email, right? And it's a lot harder for, for I think, them to compete with us. I mean, it's hard for either party to compete with either party, right? I'm never just, I'm just never going to have the capital to compete with ESPN or whatever it is like that. But, I, again, like email and, and newsletters and stuff like that is it's just not a sexy business and it takes a lot of work it's a lot of effort executing day in and day out twice a day four times a day now we have four newsletters right like it's 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 a real big mental fitness game and if you can kind of if the consistency is there and the product is high quality and you can get enough engagement on it then it becomes really interesting so yeah that's uh that's the thought process around it but the focus is on that one product and then what can we spin off from there? I think we've done a really good job of building franchises around the, the newsletters that we have. So like front office sports and, and rising 25, that's become synonymous with us. We have best employers in sports, which is again, synonymous with us. Um, you know, we just launched a bunch of uh, courses, which is basically, or we launch one course, we'll have more, but essentially it's like a, uh, in, you know, a, a, a educational module of sorts, eight, six to eight modules where people can get certified. So you can get a certificate and it's all free and we got a brand to support it. So, yeah, I mean, I always tell people, especially now, like if we're going to be, if we're going to be naming people like a best employer, how are like, we have to be a best employer. If we're going to be naming people rising 25, like best stars and things like that, obviously we have judges and stuff and it helps, but if we're going to be like putting our brand attached with that stuff, we have to be that. Right. So if we're most innovative now, how are we going to be even more innovative? What are we going to do? So, you know, again, like we have a, a euphemism around here, which is basically like the idea that you can't just set the bar. You have to raise the bar like every single day, right? Every single day is someone's first interaction with your brand. You have to surprise and delight them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's media and, and there's eyes on you all the time. And so you kind of have to execute it. So now transitioning away from FOS and front office sports and your brand, I'm curious to hear of uh, a couple of quick things kind of structured as a rapid fire. We've talked a lot about NBA top shot and NFTs and virtual trading. Um, fascinating topics. Want to get your thoughts on where, um, you know, just what you're thinking so far and what you've seen from NBA top shot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. I think it's fascinating to see it all come together. I think the biggest thing, and it's the biggest thing is like something becomes valuable when there's people who are willing to buy it and people willing to sell it. Like really that's it, right? So everyone's like, oh, well, it's, it's you know, non-fungible or it's, you can't touch it. It's something like this, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like also you look at some of these other things and it's like, well, you know, an iPhone is valuable because there's people who buy it and people who sell it, right? Or whatever it is. And like, they built a brand around it and all these things. And I, it's not like a apples to oranges comparison, but like, there's a lot of examples of things that aren't fungible or whatever it is that there is a value exchange. There's people selling it, there's people buying it. And then, you know, you're continuing to drive things from there. So um, yeah, it's, I think it's interesting I think realistically, it opens up a huge opportunity at the college level uh, when you think about a lot of the NIL monetization and the opportunities there. I do worry that it's going to get like really saturated really fast. Like there's going to be more NFTs than there are people to buy NFTs, you know? So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. How long until like all of the leagues have NFTs and then, you know, how long, I don't know. And then every player that has an NFT on top of that, and are they going to have to negotiate deals with the leagues to make sure they have NFT rights? How is that going to play into the next, you know, collective bargaining agreement now that the NBA is making a ton of money off this stuff? So, I mean, look, I think there's a future there for it. I think it's really interesting. I think it really goes into this whole idea of like, you know, verticalization of being a, you know, this whole creator economy that everyone talks about, right? It's like, 
if an athlete is, is, if you think about it as an athlete, as a creator, right? Like they're, you know, they're creating content every time they play their highlights, this, that low lights, whatever it is that you think about. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting putting the power in the hands of them, right? Like it's, it'll be interesting because it's like, is there a market for, in a weird market for say, someone like who's an offensive lineman at a D one school who isn't Trevor Lawrence. Right. You know what I mean? So what is, what happens with those types of people? Is there something that they, they do differently? So yeah, I really think NFTs again are here to stay. I was joking with the people I, I work with here at the office that we're in. And I, I said the other day, I said in like a year, happy meals at mcdonald's like the toys will be nfts like they're going to be giving away nfts if it continues at this rate <laughs> be so, kids blockchain, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah blockchain <laughs> roblox or something like you know roblox roblox bucks or whatever it is and i mean who knows what happens but again there's buyers and there's sellers and there's people who are interested in it uh, i don't i haven't gotten involved with it to be <laughs> honest with you but you know for the most part it's a fascinating case study as to what's going on. I also, I, I do wonder, and I think what will be a, a, a test to this is what happens once people start to travel again, start to go outside again on a normal thing, start to have more normal schedules, start to commute, start to spend more of their disposable income on food and going out and things like that. Cause that's another thing is like, I feel like a lot of this has been driven by a lot of people who may have moved home and aren't paying rent because of the pandemic, uh, are still working, have a lot more money laying around. I don't think that's the case for a lot of it, but I do think that there is an interesting hypothesis to say, to be said at like, you know, what happens when, when, you know, life returns to normal and people, and it is getting there, right? We're seeing that happen. So like in the summer, what's, what's going to happen? Are we going to see it at the same level? Are people going to still be spending money at the same level that they are now? Who knows where, when are we going to see, you know, institutional investors getting involved with nfts and i think you've already seen it and you're probably going to see a lot more of it uh the trading card industry is going to drive it i think too right you know well the paninis the tops of the world like if they're creating nfts right like and selling it it makes it makes sense that it's going to continue to have uh, you know big like people have been selling trading cards buying and selling you know uh, trading cards forever it's just a different type of the digital trading card for the most part so yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it all shakes out. But I'm, I'm really, I, I'm a believer. I, I'm a buyer. I'm not a seller of NFTs. And I would like in the terms of like what's going to happen. So, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a real opportunity there. It just depends on if once things return to normal, if if you'll still see a trajectory that's the same, and if it's if it's in it for the long haul. All fair and valid points. Uh, did you buy? Did you get a pack? No, I haven't. I haven't. No. All right. <laughs> I mean, I tried. I have not gotten involved. I have not gotten involved. So I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe if like I bought a pack and I pulled one that was super rare that I could turn around and flip for 75K after paying 10 bucks, maybe I would be like, holy shit. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be sitting in this office anymore if I could, you know, like turn all of that into, <laughs> all of that into to, to real cash. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I have not participated, but it's, uh, you know. It's interesting that our employees talk about it a lot. People are really excited about it. So we'll see how it shakes out. Absolutely. So you touched upon college, how this would impact college. I guess, you know, let's dive into the biggest college event that's going on in the next couple of days, March Madness. What early predictions do you have? And does uh, Miami see a, a future to the big dance, perhaps? Yeah, it's not uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if we want to get crazy. I don't know if we want to get crazy. I mean, the ACC is kind of wide open and they got a lot of momentum and I wouldn't count them out, but I don't, I don't know. I, I would be like pleasantly surprised if somehow Miami run, ran the table after finishing as like the 13 seed in the ACC and they ran the table, won the ACC championship, got an auto bid into the tournament. I'd be amazing. It would be a, such a sick story and I would love it. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I think, I think there's a, a tournament's going to be wide open this year, right? There's going to be so much. I wouldn't say, like, if you have, I think they said if they have, like, if they have too many people out because of COVID protocols, like a team forfeits. 
So you could have the number one team and somehow someone slips up or something happens. And now like Gonzaga forfeits because they have, you know, they can only field four guys. I, I don't know. It's going to be so unpredictable. I don't even know how people are going to be able to bet or how people are be betting on it because it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen from day to day. I think you're going to see a lot of parody. I think, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a surprise winner, you know, someone that people don't really think about. It's not going to be like a number one or a number two seed, maybe like a five seed or a six seed or something like that. Uh, Cause also it's different, right? You know, it's, it's in a bubble environment and you don't have the crowds per se. They're going to have some, some people in the crowd, but it's not going to be like the same. Um, you know, you're not going to be traveling, you know, you're not going to play in a regional games and then come in and, and go somewhere else and then go somewhere else. Right. You're not going to be doing that. So it'll be less travel. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see. I'm super excited about it. I'm glad that it's back. I feel like it's going to be like the first real, I mean, it's been a year now, if you think about it, since when the pandemic kind of hit to where we are now. And uh, I think the, a lot of things have changed. And so hopefully it'll be something that's positive. Uh, you strike me as someone that has met Jim Laranaga. Have you met him? Yeah, I, I have a couple of times. He's cool what are your guy. thoughts? He's a, cool he's a good guy. Uh, I like him. He's, you know, I, I like the way he coaches. He's uh, fun. Yeah, he's good. I, I really, I have, I've always only had good uh, interactions with him when I was there. I feel like everybody has too. He's a very beloved man up here in the Northeast because obviously started his career up here and, uh, and all that. But um, as a Phoenix native too, uh, we're just going to go out on a limit, assume that you grew up and um, you know, root for the Phoenix teams. So correct us if we're wrong first, but how do you feel if that's the case that everyone's going to um, or how they're going to fare up this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched a lot of the, the teams. Um, I'm really only a, a Coyotes fan per se. I like the Diamondbacks, uh, never was like a huge Cardinals fan. Obviously I had watched them like when they played in the Super Bowl. like you got to watch them. Uh, and the Suns, the Suns just were never good when I was a kid outside of like the Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire years. And they always kind of got gypped. Like they never could get by the Lakers or the Spurs or whatever it was like that. So I didn't really grow up with, in, I didn't grow up in a big basketball family, so I didn't have a ton of passion towards that. But it was so, it was so weird. Hockey was the one thing. Of course, all places in Arizona, hockey was the one thing that I was really involved with and intrigued by. We were season ticket holders when I was, you know, probably from ten till when I was maybe eighteen, uh, maybe not that long, ten to sixteen, seventeen, thirteen to sixteen, whatever, four or five years. And so, yeah, I'm a huge Coyotes fan. Still watch games to this day when I can. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, I've, I've always taken a liking to hockey and, and the coyotes, even though they, they also were, have historically not been great. There was a couple of years back to back where they made it to the Western conference finals. Some of the most fun I have ever had as a sports fan, like going to those games with my dad and everything like that. So, I mean, they started off decently. Uh, they, I think they, I think they got a shot to make the playoffs. I think they're good. If, if they really play to their potential uh, and like they have really good goaltenders and Ronta and Kemper. And so I think that starts there. And then if the defense and the third and fourth line play well, I think they're good. I mean, they have the firepower at, on the top two lines. It's just that they're not as deep as some of these other teams like Colorado and uh, you know, some of these other top Western conference teams. So we'll see mm, the Suns. I have no idea. Uh, I think they're, I think they've, they've played pretty well, obviously the Chris Paul trade and everything like that was good. So I think there's a lot of excitement around them. They're, they're working on renovating their arena. So they're going to have a brand new arena basically. So that's going to be really good for the, the team. Cardinals obviously just got JJ Watt, which is huge. So I'm excited about that. Seeing what they can do there. The Diamondbacks, I don't know. They're playing in a division where the San Diego Padres are spending insane, insane amount of money and the Los Angeles Dodgers are spending insane amount of money on talent. So it's like, how do you compete with that as a, you know, as a mid-market team with an owner that isn't as deep pocketed as the Dodgers and the, and the Padres. So yeah, that's the, that's the kind of thought from me, all of their uh, respect teams. I mean, it could be a worse situation, like three for four, you know, on, competitiveness it's not too bad i mean you guys aren't in a relevant area for sports like no. you got some you got some talent you got the pieces yeah yeah i think there i think there's a lot of it we uh, again like i said we'll see how it all shakes out but 
Coyotes have played pretty well, and uh, Suns obviously have played really well. So we'll see how to shake it up. Absolutely. So we got a few more minutes left in the interview. Uh, let's bring it back to uh, yourself in front office sports. So, you know, you created this while you were at college. You had to have had mastered time management, and that's what, you know, all young entrepreneurs uh, truly need to focus on when trying to juggle so many things. How do you prioritize things and keep a regimented schedule and uh, routine? Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, it's very different than then. At this point, it's we have 28 to 30 employees. And it's like, if I don't, well, that they, people's livelihoods are at stake here. Their kids' tuitions are at stake, right? So I think that's kind of the big thing is I have to be the person who is up before everyone else. And I have to be the person, in my opinion, who works longer than anyone else. Because like, if I'm going to set the example, and that's how that has to be. I, in college, I mean... I just didn't really do any of the stuff that a normal college kid would do. Like I would go out every once in a while, but it wasn't, you know, four times a week type of thing in, in college, my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I worked a 40 hour a week restaurant job to pay for all the stuff that I was doing. So I basically would just go to, go to class, go to the restaurant, go home and do it all over again, basically for the entire week. And then squeeze in a workout here or there. Uh, I don't know. It's just, there's, it, there's, in my opinion, it's not hard to have structure and regiment when you care about something. And I, it, it's just like every single milestone that we've gotten, it's just like, you start to care, you just care more and more and more and more. And it's just, you know, I, I like I told you guys earlier, if we wrap it full circle, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what my life would look like without FOS. And I, it's like so wrapped up into my life that it's really a lot of what I think about what I do, like who I am. And so you know, when it comes down to it from a time management standpoint, that's what it, that it, it's all dependent on the fact that I just really care and really like what I do. And obviously now I have, in, uh, obviously I have now uh, employees and then we have stakeholders and everything like that. So you have to deliver for, so, and partners and all these different things, right? So it's like a, it's a big song and dance, but from a regimented standpoint, and, I, and quite frankly, I would say I'm not the best at this anyways. I, I probably should get more sleep. I probably should find a way to work out more and things like that. But, you know, my, my I'm in the office before 7 a.m. every morning, probably leave by about 8. Uh, I'll work until, you know, probably 10, 30, 11, depending on what's going on. And then I'll just do it all over again. And it's, again, I live in New York city by myself. I don't really have anything. I don't have a dog. I don't have really any like other priorities or other people to kind of take up my time. And so a hundred percent of it for the most part just goes into the business. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I probably could do a better job at quote unquote time management when it comes to like really making sure that I, I'm sleeping more and I'm working out more and things like that. But my time management goes into how do we grow the business? How do we make it stronger? How do we, you know, bring things to life, et cetera, et cetera. What advice do you have as we start to close out here for the people that are like you and that have built something or had the intention to build something? Maybe they're content creators, maybe they're journalists. Um, maybe they're just, you know, looking to, to create something. Uh, what advice do you have for those folks that were in the shoes uh, that you at one point wore and, and still do wear to this day? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is if, if we can build a media company from with zero followers, zero, um, you know, zero money, zero experience, like from literally the, the zero of the zero, I think you can kind of really do anything. It really just comes down to stamina, right? People don't talk about it a lot and not stamina in the sense that can you run 10 miles? It comes down to stamina. Can you outlast everyone? Right. It's just like, can you do this every single day for six years and see what happens? Like what, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? And you have to be able to give yourself that time stamp and that timeline. And for the most part, you know, it's, that's the one thing that I, I it's, it's just, you have to like, it's a commitment. Every, everyone says like every overnight success story is 10 years in the making. And it's kind of true, right? Unless you're, you know, you just happen to stumble upon an amazing idea and it just blows up immediately. But that it, it really is true. It takes a long time to get your first client. And then after that, but like, once you start to get those things then it starts to compound and everything like that. So I think that's the big thing is just the stamina and willingness to say that 
you know, if you really want to do this, you're going to work harder than everyone else. And you're just going to, and I always tell people, you have to be 1% better every single day. If you're 1% better today than you were yesterday, and you do that every single day, and it compounds, right? So basically, and it's like 365% better, you know, over the course of a year, right? So, and that could be in anything, right? If you slept better, if you worked harder, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's interesting. I think that's the kind of the biggest thing is it really just comes down to the only reason many people succeed uh, is just because they didn't stop working they didn't stop believing they didn't stop doing something until they had one client and then once they had one client they got two clients and then once they got two clients they got five clients etc it just kind of starts to to snowball from there so yeah I mean I think that's one of the big things. And then I, the other thing is just trying to, and this was from one of the people I interviewed a long time ago is he always says like being a fountain, not a drain, right? Like don't be a drain on people. Don't go to people with your hand out, right? And say, hey, can you give me this? No, say, hey, I can provide you value, right? I can do this. Like if I was a person who was really good at videography, I'd be DMing all of, all of the people I could think of and say, hey, look, I, I, I think your Instagram presence could be better. This is what I will do for you to do it. And like the amount of responses that would you'd probably get would be, you know, probably high, right? I, I could provide you better video and this is how I could do it. So, you know, it, it's really just showing value. I mean, again, the one, re the reason, I don't, I don't know if this is the actual reason, but the one reason that I probably was able to build the relationship and have the conversation with Jason that I did was because the first thing I sent him was I said, hey, I see you guys are posting this all the time or doing these really cool stuff. If you have anything, send them our way. We'll amplify them. We'll post them, et cetera. So day one, it was just, I wasn't asking for anything other than saying, hey, look, yeah, I wasn't asking for it. I told you, I said, here, I said, we can provide value. Uh, and I think that goes for anyone. If you're selling a product, you know, how do you provide value? If you're, if you're you know, trying to build an audience, how do you provide value? How do you provide information that they're going to care about? So I think long story short, that would probably be the things that I would focus on. Um, and then realistically, really finding people who you can trust with the business and, and work on with and who have complementary skill sets to you, right? Like Russ, my number two, is way better when it comes to data and hard numbers. And I'm just, you know, I think much better when it comes to just ideas and, and, you know, getting things off the ground and kind of being able to take things from zero to one and, and putting, and obviously he put in the work too, but putting in the work to, to make sure that those things became a reality and just not, not stopping. So, uh, you know, again, like finding complimentary people, I, I always tell people like, if you're really going to try and build a business, like find a number two, it's like almost impossible to do anything on your own, uh, at a high level, because it's just, you need someone like that. So yeah, again, long-winded, but that's kind of the thought process for me. Long-winded is all right. All that information was great. Um, Adam, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're a very, very busy man with a busy schedule. So we don't want to take up too much of that time. Uh, closing thought, where or closing question, where can our listeners find your content and how can they get involved with FOS and front office sports as a whole? Yeah, FOS, uh, we just launched the, like I mentioned, the new site. So FOS dot company is the new kind of company site. Can subscribe to all the newsletters there. Uh, we have front office sports, sports section, the association, the rundown coming soon. And then at FOS for front office sports on Twitter, at association for the association on Twitter, a TK. We have a two come uh, sports section handle, maybe a rundown one as well. Um, so yeah, kind of what we're working on where you can find us, uh, Instagram front office sports. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you again. We appreciate it. Uh, we're excited to follow along this journey with you. Uh, keep up the great work and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Thanks, appreciate Adam. it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. And that was just Adam White, FOS, front office sports, University of Miami alumni. Cool dude. Very cool dude. Interesting story. Um, he's a name that you know, you might not know now, you'll know in a few years. He's kind of like Alex Lieberman, and I hate that I made that reference to Morning Brew once, uh, let alone twice, but I mean, they're both doing really cool stuff. It's direct-to-email marketing. Um, it is Their product is direct-to-email, and they're both like Twitter personalities now. Yeah. Uh, both in their own ways, because Alex has his own voice, and it's kind of less, it's more relaxed, more informal, but Adam's more like 
you know, just here's the facts. I'm going to share all my own content, um, you know, hire a nice group of people around me. Really cool concept, FOS. And it's growing. They post awesome shit on LinkedIn too. Yeah, a lot of LinkedIn stuff. I mean, their their newsletters are very good, which is obviously their bread and butter. And like the little tidbits that they post on social media, it's just like the interesting stuff that you don't know about sports. Like the the money behind it, the... All these TV deals and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the TV deals. And the, how contracts are structured. Contract structures. They give a lot of like the behind the scenes where it's like always something that you're like, huh, like how does this work? And then you forget about it because it's like you're too focused on like the sports personalities or like the gameplay and the gambling side. But then it's like they're posting. It's like, oh, no, actually, this is how a contract's broken down because of X, Y, and Z. Or this is how much money someone's making every second, every pitch, every layup, whatever the um, variable they want to use for it. They are posting a lot of cool stuff that is just very different from what's being published you know, by your mainstream media companies. Now that you mention it, I think that they might have been the ones, maybe not to break it, but to dive into Russell Okung's yeah. uh, deal with, with Bitcoin. Yeah, with the Bitcoin and how much Bitcoin he gets out of his normal contract. I think they were one of the first on that. That's, that's the really way, cool. That's where I read it. Yeah, we should have asked like, him that. Yeah, that's where I read it on LinkedIn. Um, and it's always great to see, like, because, like, he's focusing on the platforms that you're spending majority of your time. And, you know, for some people, it is like the social media, like the Instagrams and the Twitters and stuff. But the email and the LinkedIn markets are just not being capitalized. You know, no one's really capitalizing on that. And that's where Adam comes in with FOS. Yeah, not capitalized, I wouldn't say is, well, yeah, in a way, it's it's more like, I'm not going there to get my news, you know, and I'm not necessarily going to email to get my news, but if I'm spending my time there, it's convenient. Like FOS, that LinkedIn algorithms are damn good because they know every single FOS post I hit like on and they show it to me first now on LinkedIn and, um, you know, that's pretty much it. That's where I'm getting my FOS content. It's kind of wild. It's crazy. But really good interview with Adam White. We're going to try to get more of those sports businessy folks uh, on in the show over the coming months. Um, do we have anything to close with Positivity Corner? Yeah. Um, you might have noticed on social media, we're going to be putting it out more as well. But every month I've been doing a lot of trying to do a lot of philanthropic work, whether it's raising money or just volunteering some time. And this month, in honor of International Women's Day that just passed by, uh, I contacted the folks over at the Women's Center of Rhode Island, which is now merged with Crossroads RI. Um, to see what we can do in terms of a donation. Um, so calling on for people to donate any available funds. What they do is they pretty much offer shelter for uh, women that are domestic violence, uh, violence victims, as well as anyone who is homeless as well. Um, so we're either going to do a lump sum of a donation that's being uh, you know, fundraise right now, or we're buying different products that, that they might need, whether it's femi- feminine products, um, toiletries, whatever the case might be. Uh, have a couple more calls with them throughout the week, just once uh, money's coming in. But um, if you're in the spirit of giving, you can Venmo me directly at WTondo13. We'll be posting it on our social media as well. But a uh, little local positivity in the state of Rhode Island. Crossroads is a really good one. And that's... Um... Yeah, they're getting a lot of press because David Duke from Providence uh, College, uh, the Friars actually, he's doing that for one of his projects, like a capstone of some sort for a business course, I think. Um, Yeah, Crossroads is a really good organization. They do a lot of great work, so please consider donating if you can. Fun guest next week. Very fun guest, uh, and we're going to hopefully light our brackets on uh, on fire. Do we have an update on our small state big takes? Um, I don't think anyone's been eliminated from anything so far, but um, as you guys know, last week we broke down uh, or chose the winners of a few different conferences, seven of them to be exact. Um, I'm pulling it up now, and I don't think we have any decisions yet. No A10 yet, right? No, A10 will be, there will be a winner in the A10 category tomorrow. Because the Bonnies are playing VCU. VCU. And we have VCU, and the small state big takes guys have St. Bonnies. And that's... <laughs> so, I mean, hey, that's the fairest way this could have shaken down. It's like, all right, these two get to face each other in the uh, in the championship. Let's see who wins. Which could happen for a couple of our uh, scenarios, too. I mean, I know. Alabama, Arkansas, and Baylor versus Baylor. 
Yeah, Baylor versus Baylor. <laughs> um, the Big Ten's really anybody's game. Big East, I, I mean, honestly, it could be a UConn Creighton, a Villanova slips. I think so. Yeah. Um, That's probably what I would assume is going to be the championship matchup at yeah. this point. Damn, we picked UCLA for the Pac-12. I know. I mean, that's UCLA, Oregon's another one. Yeah, Colorado still might too make a run. It's like still too soon to tell. It is, but uh, we'll be here to break down the bracket um, early next week. We'll be back with a very special Twitter guest that a lot of you might know. Um, I'm excited. This is March. This, this is, is March, March, and I get to sit around and watch college basketball and talk about it and make content about it for a month. This is fucking sick. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. Our first episode was the what if of March Madness. Yeah. It was a few weeks after the, you know, COVID hit. Was that April? I want to say April 10th. It's like the first or second week of April. Yeah. But there was just, oh yeah, the tournament might come back and (laughs) she never did. (laughs) We, uh, yeah, almost, it's been 11 months now since we've had the show running. We're going to be very close to 52 episodes. I don't think we'll get there. Um, You know, we would obviously need eight of them. But thank you for your support. Keep talking to us on Twitter. Please give us some uh, retweets on our tweet. We want some free shit from Michelob Ultra, too. Please deck out our pod. We are poor. We can't afford it ourselves. That's all from us. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy.